0: Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. We're back. And this week, actually, I've got no idea where this is going to go because I'm with Mark it gonna go, <laughs> I'm with Mark Channon, who actually I knew as Mark Wood. And I've known him since I was 16. And if I told you that Mark, no, actually, I'm not going to try and even explain that story live on air. You know what? Right. Mark, I can let leave you to explain what Pardadere is. And uh, over <laughs> to you. <laughs>
1: I just had a flashback dropping people, probably you. Um, <laughs> okay, was code cool in there. Um, oh yes, so morning, good to see you <laughs> again. Um, yeah, tell you a little bit about me. You know what? It's 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 interesting because um, I've had probably like you a very eclectic background in career. In fact, I've had kind of many careers um, in my fifties now. So you know, <laughs> still young. Stop giving my age away!
0: Oh no, I didn't make a connection
1: with that. There you go. But you know what? Very eclectic background. You know, like I was an actor for many, many years. So, fifteen years as an actor, and that was a big passion when I was in my twenties and in my thirties. And I did a whole bunch of other stuff, which which I can kind of get into during that time. But then, when we had our first kid, uh, I, I got out of the acting world and I went into the corporate world, which is. Very, It was very, very different from what I was used to. But I, I led a lot of large digital products for like the BBC and Microsoft and Telegraph. And and then I left that world. Then I got into the startup space, which is really cool, you know, techs and startups. Um, and then I do what I do today, which is run a coaching business and I got a production company. But I think when I think back to when I was an actor and the thing that probably inspired me Uh, And changed my life in a big way in terms of what I do now. Um, There was a friend of mine, he was called Steve, Steve Rogers, um, not Captain America, Steve Rogers. And I shared a flat with with Steve and Steve didn't do small talk and he was always coming up with new ideas. And I was kipping on his couch. I was unemployed actor at the time. I was actually working in the Prince Edward Theatre Bar. Crazy for You was on. I actually got on the show the year later, but I I was unemployed at the time. Steve burst into room one day and he said, Mark, remember these 20 words. And I was like, all right. Now, I don't know if you remember, but I, I didn't have a reputation for having that good a memory. When it came to lines and stuff, it was really good. Everything else, I was all over the place. In fact, my focus was everywhere. My memory was actually good. I didn't realize it at the time. Steve gave me these 20 words. I memorized about four. It was appalling. It was not good. And then he shared a technique. And this technique literally changed the course of my life and it was a memory technique. Now, back then, no one had really heard of this stuff. He did the technique, I remembered all 20 words, like in sequence, and he'd go number 16, I'd say, space shuttle, and it was right. It blew my mind. Long story short, it kickstarted a journey for me when I got into memory techniques. Um, I, and, and a year later, my agent called me up, and you know, you're an actor, as actors, you never say no to anything. <laughs> Can you ride a horse?
0: yes
1: <laughs> like you learn to ride the horse right and she called me up and i was actually in the show crazy Few the time it was a year later and she said mark you've always got lots of ideas which i did my head was just full of them and she said i've got a friend production company called action time looking for a game show any ideas i was like yes give me half an hour and I, and i just wrote this tirade <laughs> of like text, A4 paper, no computer back then. Didn't have a lot of money. And it was just pencil, wrote this game show, sent it in, long story short, it got picked up. So it was on the BBC. It was called Monk House's Memory Masters, 1995. Ironically, no one remembers it. You remember Oh, no,
0: it. I remember, it. remember it. I remember we just bumped into each other. So um, 95, I was back in London and we were, funny enough, drinking. That's bad, isn't it? I think it was, you must have been... You'd come from the show and we were on Macreaders and you told me about it. And so I watched it and I said my whole family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was a crazy time. And it really, it, it was, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I was completely winging it. You know, I created this game show. I was on there with Bob as well. And it was, it was all kind of kicking off. I thought, what am I doing? But it did, it did throw me into this kind of world of memory And there was a guy called Tony Bazan, the late Tony Bazan. And he created, he's over a hundred books. He's a creator of mind maps. And I met Tony back in the nineties and we had this conversation and he said, Mark, you have to compete in the world memory championships. I thought, what, what is this? And why do I need to do this thing? And he said, you know, the first game will give you a 2000 digit number. You have one hour, memorize as many digits as you can. I thought, that sounds crazy. Why would I want to do this? But I did. And I got quite good at this stuff. Uh, I was ranked as one of the first grandmasters of memory in the world. Crazy title, but it's a real thing. Uh, Third in the world. So that really started a development journey that's continued over the last, I was going to say 25 years. (laughs) It's not 30 years, right? (laughs) The last 30 years. And it started with memory. And then I started training people and working with people. So I've worked with people for 30 years. You know Now I run a coaching business and a training business as well. And it's, 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 it's what I do. But back then, it was always something I was doing on the side. Um, and I've done that for a very, very long time. And it started with memory, but then it was about focus and productivity and you work with people to achieve career goals or businesses and all sorts of other stuff but there you go that there's a little a little backdrop some flavor of why i do what i do why am i here
0: well i love that because you're right and i, and I think people don't realize that yeah you know, one of the on one of these episodes i was asked uh what what are the skills do actors have and i was like wow they're not just people who can prance around on stage and maybe learn a few lines. Actually, they know how to set deadlines. They know how to achieve a goal. They have studied and they understand a lot of structure, business. I was like, do you know, what? and one of the biggest things we know is how to sell ourselves. Mm. And we really do know about sales. And they were like, but how do you know all of this? I went, what do you think an actor has to do? I mean, we've I, always joked about an actor only opens the curtains in the afternoon because it gives him something to do. But that's just not the case, is it? Although we've all been there dusting on people's couches, absolutely nah. penniless, waiting for that next job and doing all the fill-in jobs. But those fill-in jobs, just like you, they shape us.
1: Mm, yeah. I
0: mean, I don't know if you could touch about what maybe was the worst fill-in job you've ever done.
1: So many. <laughs> I had so many, you know what, in my younger days, before I kind of started, you know, in the later 90s, I I'm my own business, so I was doing that in between jobs, but in the early days, there was one, the worst one, oh, okay, I know what it was, it just came in my head, telesales, remember those telesales, <laughs> jeez, okay, so it was a telesales job, and you're right, as an actor, you've got all these transferable skills, you know, you, you literally learn how to manage emotions and deal with stress and, you know, create confidence and all those sort of things. And I was always really good at getting jobs because I could just wing it in the interview. And I'd never done any kind of sales in my life. And we did this telesales job, but this was not a good job. I mean, the, this company, you know, it really should not have been around. And we were selling. It was the time when there was a big thing about how computer screens were impacting your vision. Right, and so they'd be selling these screens that sat on the screens, but it was a real scam. And we'd call people up and we had this script and you'd get to the point where you'd get to the CEO You'd be having the conversation with the CEO, they think they're getting something for free, and it's all this whole thing, and then you land them with like a 10k check and you just go and have your credit card. And it was it was it was a crazy thing. But I actually left that on the same day because my 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 ethics, even though I was an actor, right? My morals would not let me do that gig. I thought I cannot do this. I was out. So, so that, that's probably the worst one. That
0: I did encyclop- I did Encyclopedia Britannica and pounded the streets. Yeah. I mean, what can what can you say? And I can say I sold every single type of botanic, you know, encyclopedia the, the the range, and then I got out there because I just wanted to complete the entire range and know that I could do it. And then I was out. It was I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> so you, along the way, you you've talked about. I think you mentioned Steve, but who else has inspired you along the way?
1: You know, a a lot of people. So, Steve, you know, I tend to have, I guess, people that I meet in my life where sometimes we'll end up collaborating. So I've had quite a few collaborators. um, There was, uh, I guess, an actor that I worked with. We did Chorus Line together. Then we did Scrooge. And then we ended up setting up a company. And we got the rights to Terry Pratchett's Weird Sisters. So I just phoned Terry's agent up one day, Colin Smythe. I was like, uh, yeah, we're producers. <laughs> and um, we wanna put on a West End production of Weird Sisters. I'd love to buy the rights. And we did, and we got the rights. And uh, and so I've always been, there's always been these collaborations that have happened. Certain people that I've met, it was the same when I did my startup and a few businesses that I run. And I use the certain people that I meet and we end up doing something together. I'd say outside of that, I mean, obviously, my wife, because, you know, I've known Zoe for, she was always an actor, and she's been doing that since she was a kid, probably like you, and very young when she started. And we, she actually works down, she's working right now below us. So, so this we've got a studio in Seven Oaks, so she's downstairs running Pilates right now. Just got all the reformer kit. But I think together, we keep each other straight. You know, we, we keep each other's kind of head on and um, making sure that we're going in the right direction. So she's also been a, a big part of the last, how many years? Okay, 2024 years. Okay, there you go. So that's quite a while. And then, you know, there's other people that I guess have influenced me in terms of what I do. Um, you know, when I was really young, I got into Tony Robbins and I did that in my 20s. And I was like, okay, I start to learn, about some of those coaching strategies. But then when I was in the BBC, I had a, a, one of my a great manager there, uh, Matt, and he was brilliant. And I started to understand more about running teams and high performance teams and things like that. So there's been key people, I'd say, throughout my life that, that have had an impact. And many of these people I, I kind of still see, you know, still interact with.
0: What was it like though? I mean, I know what it was like for me. Um, and I talk about it openly, what it was like to go, to make that decision to move from being the actor, the performer and go into the corporate space. Cause that's where we have a real crossover because I did exactly mm. the same thing. What was it like? What was the decision process?
1: Absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I remember it. Okay. I've never shared that story. So I remember, I remember the moment it happened because well, we were having our first kid, Zach and Myself and Zoe, at the time, none of us wanted to tour. There was work out there and you can get a West End gig and that's great. But actually, none of us wanted to tour. I wanted to be there, you know. I thought, well, I don't want to be away for six months or a year when I got a kid. And so there there was that moment there. But I always remember, I'd actually been, I taught myself how to code websites many years before. So I was like building websites. I I I was kind of doing stuff on the side. But the, the, when I first got into corporate, the first gig was the BBC. And I, th- I think maybe me and Zoida had a, a debate about something. And I thought, you know, screw it, I'm just gonna get a gig. And I wrote in and I got this gig, contracting initially for the BBC. Uh, and so that, that was when it started. And when I got, on, got in there, it was temporary. In my mind, this was not what I was doing. I did not make a decision to be in the corporate space. It was not how it was built. Like I was pretty unorganised, ever honest, you know. <laughs> I was last minute with everything. It's like this was not—I mean, very different to people who know me now. It's like really, <laughs> like with what I do, but it was not my natural go-to state. Um, but then I kind of got caught up. I actually really enjoyed it, and I—I w- I started building websites. And then they offered me a job, and I thought, oh. Well, okay, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take the gig. It reluctantly took the first gig. And then they promoted me. And I thought, I don't want to get promoted because I don't want to be here. You know, I want to... And then they promoted me again. And I got promoted again. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> then, you know, six years later, and I end up, you know, I was leading all these big products for the BBC. Um, and then I went to Microsoft and I led a Skype website and then a telegraph. So it was like, it it caught up on me. It, it, it was a slow burner. <laughs> but I will say that it was probably... I learned so much there. I got to the point where I knew it wasn't the right fit for me. I had to go back to what I was doing. I mean, I was still running my business. I always had a side hustle. I was always coaching and working with companies. Um, But I got to the point where I realized I had to leave and get back to what I really wanted to do and what I I thought was here to do. Um, So it it was an interesting time, but learned so much, just about, particularly about leadership and high performance and and teams and et cetera. You get to put it into practice.
0: So explain about your coaching, um, because it, it's high performance, it's leadership. And, you know, we, we both I, I love the fact that our journeys are, are kind of got this snaky, wonky, right. <laughs> pivoting, I don't know, crazy old path that got us to where we are today. But talk to me about what you actually do as your co- in your coaching.
1: Yeah. So there's there's a few different types of people that I work with and. I guess in terms of the outcomes that they're looking for, I tend to think of it in three buckets. I work with people who are either trying to move up in their career or they want to shift career entirely, particularly off the back of COVID. I don't know if you've seen this, but I mean, you heard about the great resignation, the great resignation 2.0, and lots of people becoming dissatisfied with where they are. So a lot of the clients that I work with, they're making a shift. They tend to be more senior management up to C-suite, and they're making let's say bigger changes so it takes them a long time to do that and i also have group programs that run for people who maybe you know they don't want to do the one-to-one stuff but they still want to make a shift so that's kind of one bucket people that work with Uh, the second bucket are usually founders founders ceos and there's two types of coaching that i do there one is more around Right thing, right time, productivity, high accountability, high ownership, follow through, get the stuff done. Because the lives are just so crazy; they got a lot going on. And the other type of coaching I do with them is I partner with uh, someone called Ash Moria. So he wrote all the Running Lean books. I actually one of his coaches when he needs to, and he'll give me startups. It's all about founding teams, uh, and that's more about business, business modeling, and traction. I got big product background, so we. It's a different type of coaching. You know, we're looking at their actual business and how they grow their business. Um, but we always get into the mind stuff because you can't not. know, yeah. and the third type of person I work with are usually people who want to improve generally when it comes to things like, you know, productivity. I mean, I, I see similar challenges all the time, procrastination, the killer. I mean, it comes up all the time, obviously. Some of the obvious one perfectionism, interestingly, comes up a lot with the people that I work with. I just need to get it right, right? And they lose, they don't progress, you know. Distractions, we live in this distracted world where creatures of distraction. I read this paper 2018, Ian Felberkorn. They did uh, an experiment on macaque monkeys and humans and discovered that as humans we go in and out of attention four times every second now this made a lot of sense to me because oh that was why i was so unfocused right we're built to be distracted so distractions is a real killer when it comes to productivity and then you've got the emotional stuff of overthinking you know overwhelm imposter syndrome um, confidence etc so these are the kind of challenges that i'll help people work through but then practically you're you're helping people to achieve something that they want to achieve that they think is going to make them feel more fulfilled
0: and you've written books right you're you're not just you're not just a coach you're not just um an actor you're not just a, a dad you're also a published oh and I'm running a production company and I love the name of the, of the production company we're <laughs> going to come on to that in a minute you're also a published author right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so uh Hodder. Is my publisher for, a Nick Kern. For, so I've got a number of books out there. I've got a couple of memory books, the, the Memory book and Improve Your Memory, Sharpen Your Focus, which I did with Hodder. Um, and as you can probably guess, the title is focused on memory, but it's very, it's very practical. You know, I'm very much a practitioner. When I start to do all this memory stuff, I don't really want to compete in championships and do all that. I mean, look, I, I value it in terms of the skill that you build i was much more interested in how do i use this in my life for those moments when i remember stuff on the fly there's a conversation or whether it's i want to learn a whole new skill set and that's really what kind of inspired me got me going so the books really talk to that idea um and then i wrote one book a few years back called learning your lines and this was a real passion project and nick hern is a publisher of that one so Nick Caron, biggest acting publisher in the UK. And, um, that I, I love writing that book. It was my favorite book to write. Um, and I do have another book that I'm just starting, kind of the research stage, um, which is all about superhuman productivity and how do you kind of make that happen for you, bring that into your life
0: and uh, can you exp- expand a bit
1: more ma- ma- a bit further on that or not Are you? well no I can't. it's 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 the, the books at the early stages but the principles i've been putting into practice for many years now with people um and you know i attend you know whenever i talk about productivity and it sounds about hype superhuman productivity but there's a there's a reality behind it because um i tend to think of this in three chunks that there's eight levers whenever i help People want to improve their productivity. I always talk about eight specific levers that if you're able to dial up, your productivity in a whole is going to go through the roof. You're also going to feel more balanced. You know, these are things, the first ones about activating your your inner superpower. And this is about your focus, your memory, being able to create and break habits. Because when you can do those things, i.e. keep attention, do the deep work, not get distracted by all the to-do list stuff, but the stuff that creates impact you start to move forward when you can learn quickly make things stick this is a i mean this kind of stuff that i did in the memory championships people go what that's impossible but it's not like we could all do it everyone can improve the memory and learn things that are of value to you and they're just the thing you've know, able to design habits so that's the first chunk the next chunk is all around creating a productivity let's say system or routine that works for you we're all different it was very last minute. Some people are super structured. You need not one size does not fit all. You need to work stuff that works for you. And the last day was really focused around your ability to regulate emotions. Now, as actors, we were doing this. This is, this is where we lived, right? We were creating emotions. And you can't force that stuff. You can't push it. There's ways to have emotion happen to you whether it's a positive emotion or whether it's a negative one. And once you understand that and you're able to take control of that, hey, this gives you a huge amount of resilience in your life. So, I mean, th- th- there's the the kind of shape of it. I haven't written it yet, but, you know, it's, it's that's the shape of it. I
0: love it. So I talk about this thing called aim a lot, which is, you acknowledge, you identify, and you move on. And it comes from a parenting course that I, I was on, but I've switched it because I wanted to make it work for me. And um, I genuinely tell people that you've got to acknowledge the emotion. So you don't because a lot of time people, particularly when it comes to public speaking, they try to squish this emotion down. And mm-hmm. if you squish it down, it's going to come out like a firework. Um, and it's going to explode everywhere. So I say people to people, you've got to acknowledge that emotion and once you can acknowledge it you can then identify that actually it's okay because I'm speaking today and I'm just nervous or it's okay because I'm going to the doctors and I'm getting test results and I'm nervous or whatever it is you can identify why you're nervous and then you can take that breath and you can move on so I love what you've just talked about which of course brings me on to your production company and your name for the production company because you didn't just grow you, i mean you live in seven oaks now but you're not from seven oaks originally
1: oh you can tell right <laughs> i mean the kids have got seven oaks accents so where i come from we call it posh but there you go they're uh, <laughs> rp very articulated uh or, you know what when i first i come from maastricht in in aberdeen um hi to anyone that's that lives in maastricht Um you know i i i i, I had a great upbringing. My school was pretty rough if I'm honest I went to, you know. And then, and I kind of hacked through my my what you call GCSEs now. I kind of scraped through it. Um it, it was an interesting time. But yeah, I came from Maastricht. When I first came down, no one understood a word I was saying. I don't know if you can remember this. But I also used to speak slang. I faya feed your DNA. you do new tune, right? No one understood what I was saying. <laughs> And, I just got all of that,
0: you know. Yeah. That's
1: fine. <laughs> anyone who's Scottish right now is saying, "That's not that's a weird accent you've got." That's, a, that's a, a, how a, are, a, are you
0: doing? What, yeah. Say it again. How are you doing?
1: Uh, uh, uh how you How are you doing? Uh, yeah. The, how are you doing?
0: I could. I got. Um. I, I remember the chap in a while bit. <laughs> you
1: know, it's probably still so bad. Any, anyone, who, uh, my friends from a kid, I'm getting on. What? Stop it right now. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, my production company, I set this up a couple of years ago. And obviously there's a there's a thread here from when I was an actor to, to what I do today. And, you know, my first startup that I created, well, it wasn't my first actually, but it was, I think, my third. But third startup that I did uh, was called Blink with a Q. And it was a live streaming game show. It was essentially HQ trivia, but it was aimed at GCSE students who want to study. And we did a show every day just to help the kids. And uh, so that kind of got me back into the kind of production space. And then I went to NFTS, National Film Television School, and I thought, hey, I need to get what's build some skills to produce. And I realized it was very much like being a product person to you know, so build that skill set. And so a couple of years ago, there was an opportunity to produce something. And it was video production initially. This is two parts of the the production company one is video production and i thought what can i call this i want to call it something that means something because and i thought i'm gonna call it maastricht maastricht productions it means nothing to anyone else but to me it means a lot because there's it's a little nod to where i come from and yeah so that that was the trigger for it but you know there's there's a film production side that i'm working on which is very early and you know right now i'm just getting scripts in building a slate and you know, but, but the the world is not hugely dissimilar to when you go through the startup journey and you get investment and then you you know you bring something to market and you've got to get out there etc so package things up it's very very similar so there you go and juggling I, juggling many no, things you're not.
0: i just love the fact that you just never stop you never stop moving and of course i understood the the Doric. was it Doric or slang
1: um it, uh, it, i mean doric is from up there but i i, I guess we term it as slang <laughs> no. I, I don't know if that's insulting now it might be i don't know
0: i don't know i did invite some people from aberdeen onto the feed so we'll, no doubt i will find oh, out really
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> so, so um
0: <laughs> malik Tusa, so malik tusaf has joined us and he said to say hello and then hello, magnus hello. faith is this one of your friends magnus faith and uh, this is great Thank stuff you. uh for understand your productivity program mark and then yemi who is also uh he's brilliant he's on been on, um, I can't remember what episode, a couple of episodes ago. I tell people quite often that one of the key skills to improve your memory retention is through learning to forget. <laughs> for example, do you have to keep a phone number in your memory nowadays? What's Mark's thoughts on this?
1: No, no. So, so I'm super practical. Yeah, I'm a practitioner. I love reading the research. I read all the research out there. I know, you know, yeah. Think thing about memory techniques is funny. They've been around for 2000 years and it's only the last five, well, five years that's been some specific research that's talked to what's actually happening with the kind of techniques I teach. Uh, but, but in terms of things like phone numbers, no, I'm not going to bother doing that because I've got my phone. Like I would have done before the phone existed, but I don't do that. And I'm a big geek. I love tech. You know, I want to spend my time memorizing things that will create impact. For me, as a coach, when I'm doing a coaching session, I don't take notes. I memorize what's been said. I lay things down. It allows you'll know this is stuff like, you know deep listing mode, active listening, and and I'll I'll use a little creative technique where I'll create a picture for the key problems people have said. Never share your pictures. The key problems people have, the desired outcomes they want to achieve, the actions that you're going to take. Cause then you can play that stuff back. I used to do that in meetings when I was in the corporate world as well. People would say, You're not making any notes. Then you play a bunch of stuff back. They go, oh, <laughs> that's weird. Um But but there's something about forgetting as well. You know, our memory is fallible, it's fluid. We can mess with a memory, we can create false memories, and it's okay to not to be able to recall something straight away, or even forget something. In line with that though, there's there's a habit that most people have. They'll try to remember something, and immediately they'll say, I can't remember, I've forgotten. When you say that, your brain stops searching. When in actual fact, what you should do is give yourself a beat, give yourself a moment and ask yourself, okay, what do I think this is? Even if I was to guess, or you know what, that'll come back to me. Create that habit, you start to remember way more. And that's a really a simple thing to do because you're just priming your brain, you're directing it. It's like when you meet someone on the street, can't remember them. Two days later, oh, it was Kirsty. <laughs>
0: I, I love it. That's um well I, I'm visual and I tell people what you know, don't you've I'm sure you've seen it where I've said, ditch the script. In fact, I sent you an email, don't write this down, we're gonna wing this, it's all improv. Obviously um, I have Obviously. no idea where I, I don't even know my questions are this morning. And it's it's about keeping it fluid, it's about keeping everything fresh and I use active listening, but I'm a big visual person and all of my, all of my videos are done with me thinking about visuals. I do write a few notes, norm, but because I'm dyslexic, I've got no hope of spelling, so it's normally a, a doodle that has, rem, on the page, that will remind me of what it is, and my memory, if I lost my memory, I would be gutted, because I can bring up, Dennis hates this, I can bring up an argument from years ago and quote the wording, and he's like,
1: what a How great do skill! <laughs> How
0: would you do that? And I was like, "But you said," and he's like, "Did I really? Uh huh." <laughs> I love this. So this is where the tables turn. You've been in the hot seat for about I don't know, nearly twenty nine minutes. Look at that! That was quick. I, I know it. It flies by. People don't believe me that yeah, twenty nine minutes. People don't believe me that this is quick and it's it's. It, I love doing this. It's it's so much fun for me on a Friday morning, except this bit. So this is where you get to turn the tables. I get
1: to turn tables. Yeah, I see some stuff.
0: Yeah, you get to ask me, you get to ask me a question.
1: Okay, okay. Let me think of a good one. Well, you know We we've known each other for well a long time, since the 80s. Ah, <laughs> uh, John Hughes. Um, since the 80s. So, okay. Okay. A simple question to ask. Maybe not a so simple to answer. When you think about the journey you've been on, maybe particularly in, in your business, the businesses, the things that you've done in your life. And you know, like me, you've done a whole bunch of different things. What's the one, what's the one key lesson that you would take from your life and share with someone else to make a difference for them? What would that so be? So
0: it has to be don't plan too far. That probably sounds really strange but you don't know what's gonna come in the future. And you don't know, so when I was, when you met me at 16, you know, we were full of ideals, I was gonna be this, I was gonna be an actor, you know, I was gonna, I don't know where I was gonna go, but I knew that that's what I was gonna do. And I did it for many, many years. Um, I thought I was gonna get to the RSC, and never got to the RSC, and you know, Shakespeare was definitely my passion, but I did get on TV, which I hadn't planned. Um, And then I didn't plan to um, get divorced and find myself back in London and wake up one day without my career because of various different things. Um, And so, you know, overnight when I moved back from Scotland, back down to to England, I lost my career. I didn't plan to then go back to university, so back to arts. I didn't plan to then go into the corporate world. And I certainly didn't plan to get really high up in the corporate world and then turn it all on its head because I decided, my husband and I, um, yeah, B came into our lives. And then from B coming into our lives, I didn't plan that Dennis would get a big job and one of us would have to be the person ready to collect from school. And so I didn't plan to launch KVTB. So I would say, one, don't plan. And two, never stop learning because you've got to be able to be adaptable. You've got to be able to yeah. be resilient and you've got to be able to flex. And I think the flex of woo way is a really important thing for me because you've got to be able to bend and not break. And so you've got to be resilient. And sometimes you will find yourself right down at that black bottom. And I've been there where you're just going, I've got no money. I've got no future. I'm stupid. I am not worthy. I have gone right down to that depth Mm -hmm. where I thought I was totally useless. And now I look at my life and I'm a mum. I'm running my own business. I have a beautiful husband and I do my best to help and pay the support and love and kindness that I have received with gratitude forward. So I think even if you're right down at the depths, looking at that black, black dog going, I have no idea, I will say that you can hit that bottom and you can bounce back up. So don't plan. Don't wallow either. Find your way out. But if you and the other thing is to ask for help. Ask for help.
1: Mm, that's a great one. Help.
0: So I think that's probably it, if that's a good enough answer.
1: I love it. That was that was so much there. You got don't plan to continue starting that resilience and ask for help love it brilliant
0: (laughs) there you go as i said i have no idea where my brain's gonna go but (laughs) and it's all improv right
1: (laughs) All yes and
0: (laughs) thank you so much for joining me it's been a blast oh brilliant we've just had a quick quick new message from joel I always worry about saying that wrong. Uh, Morning. uh, Great insights here. She's a goal setting coach. So thank you for everyone who's joined us. Mark, thank you.
1: Thank you, Kirsty. I've loved it. This has been great fun. (laughs) Cheers. No, seriously. It's brilliant.